Yo, 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 what's up, everyone? Thank you for stepping into the Coach's Box. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined today by Coach Natty T. And we got some more soccer drama. Tournament's almost over. We're going to get into some of Natty, Natty T's takeaways um, from Euro 2020 and Copa America. And then the NBA never fails us as far as material for this show. So we are going to continue going to get into a little bit of Dame time. Why is Scott Pippen tripping? and uh, some Easter Conference Finals analysis, and finally, a Finals preview. You know one of the teams already. We'll talk about that and kind of analyze what it would look like against either team. So first and foremost, Coach Natty T, kick us off with some soccer talk. Yep, so yeah, week three, almost uh, almost done with both tournaments. I'm about to be real sad. It's been, <laughs> it's been fantastic. Like, in all seriousness, though, like, the, the tournament has been great. All, a lot of overtimes and, um, you know, penalty shootouts and just drama, the emotions going left and right. Um, you know, teams up 2-3-0, three, 3-1, three to one, and then the other team comes back. It's, it's been fantastic. So um, I'm glad that, uh, you know, the turn, both tournaments have been great. But I'll go real quick. So first I got to start with France. They lost, of course. And Coach JP3, you could just be my witness here. I <laughs> did text you right before. I said on Instagram, I was like, look at this lineup. I know you don't know who these people are, but this lineup is complete trash. <laughs> and what happened? They gave up a goal. Yes. <laughs> then what do they do? They make a good substitution. As I said, they should put in an offensive player, and then they scored two goals in – Two minutes. Then they scored another goal in another five minutes. Uh-huh. Then what does the coach do? It goes right back to the same defensive shell again. Then Switzerland comes back, and then they win in penalty kicks. Of course, I know the big thing on social media was, you know, that everybody saw, um, you know, Mbappe missed a penalty kick. Those things happen. He didn't play well the whole tournament. Um, but, again, I, I just – from from the first game, I've been saying this for the past two weeks. I said I don't like how they're playing. I don't right. like the formation. I don't like the mentality. I don't like the approach. And it caught up to them because again, you can't just turn it on and turn it off whenever you want. And part of it is how you decide to play in your formation. You can't put you have all this offensive firepower, and then you're going to put seven defenders. There's ten field players, and you put seven defenders on the field. That makes no sense. Like, what are you, for Switzerland? For Switzerland? <laughs> no disrespect to Switzerland, because, I mean, obviously they, they beat France, but still, like, I mean, come on, man. So, as much as it was disappointing, I I saw it coming, so it is what it is. So, my, my title for, for that uh, for that whole debacle, Les Bleus Mérités de Pedro. It means the Blues deserve to lose. <laughs> so in French. So um it the French national team, they're nicknamed Le Bleu because they're you know their colors are blue. So Le Bleu. Um so it, they ultimately, as I just said in French, they, they deserve to lose because again, when you when you come out with that sort of just lackluster energy, and again, the formation was wrong, the energy was off. 
I think they just expected, even when they went up 3-1 in that game, I think they just expected Switzerland to just kind of like bow out. But to their credit, they didn't. Um, so when you do those sorts of things, I mean, you, you just deserve to lose. So personally, I would like to see BDA Duchamp. He's the manager. I personally would like to see him, you know, not renew his contract. His contract is up at the end of this year. He's been the manager of France since 2012. They've done well. He, you know, and at the time when he took over the team, there was a lot of turmoil. So I understand his kind of mentality of just kind of being very conservative and just kind of like hold the shit down. But listen, you know, they're defending World Cup champions. They won the World Cup in 2018. But, you know, your, your personnel has changed. You have a lot more offensive firepower than what you did before. So you need to kind of change your philosophy. So I would love to see Zinedine Zidane, who's a French legend, yeah, I would like to see him be the national team coach. He's not the, t- the manager for Real Madrid anymore. He's always said that's been a dream job of his. I think he would bring a sort of balance and philosophy and offensive mentality to the team that they need to kind of take the handcuffs, handcuffs off a bit. Mm-hmm. So personally, that's what I would like to see. I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, it is what it is. But so on to number two. So this won't necessarily be takeaways. So since we're winding down, I'm just going to go ahead and start going in prediction mode. Okay. So um, let me pull up just to make sure I got all my stuff right here. So today, two great games today, by the way. Um, Spain beat Switzerland in penalty kicks. Now, that penalty kick shootout was ridiculous. You saw some horrible penalty kicks taken. But it's under- I've been there. I mean, especially both teams played in overtime on Monday. So they have tired legs. So that, that does happen. But man, that was crazy. But it was entertaining. <laughs> but it was some bad penalty kicks. So Spain pulled that out. And then Italy beat Belgium in the second game today, which – Italy's two goals were absolutely beautiful. I mean, fantastic. The finishing, the touch, the everything was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So Italy versus Spain is in the first semifinal on Tuesday. <sighs> and it should be a really, really good game. And they've had some battles back and forth over the years. So it really should be a good game. I'm going to go with Italy. Um, I've been the most impressed with them from day one of this tournament. They, they kicked off. They had the first game of the whole Euros. It was uh, Italy versus uh, Turkey, and they destroyed them 3-0. And they've looked fantastic. Um, and I really admire what they've done because Italy is usually known as being very defensive, kind of like what I was saying before with the French coach. Right. They're known to be just very defensive, just kind of hold it down, like be very pragmatic on offense and be very tactical. Um, but this Italy team is actually pretty offensive and pretty fun to watch. So they've kind of changed their philosophy a bit, mm-hmm. uh, which got some flack in the Italian <laughs> media leading into the tournament because that's just not what they do. It's just very, you know, foreign to them, if you will. But they've played fantastic and they've been the best team to me in in the Euros thus far. Most complete. Um playing fantastic so i'm gonna go with italy to win that game okay um so the next quarterfinals are tomorrow so 
this is the quote unquote easier side of the bracket, as they say, but you know, nothing's really easy in this, in this tournament, but Denmark plays the Czech Republic at 12 and Ukraine plays England at three o'clock. I'm going with Denmark to beat the Czech Republic, just with the whole Christian Eriksen soul and the movement, their togetherness. I feel like they'll fight that out. Yeah, I'm going to go with England and beat the Ukraine. So I have England versus Denmark in this in the second semifinal. I have England winning that. They've looked pretty good as well. Not as good as Italy. I think Italy's been more complete. Um, but England's look very strong as well. They haven't conceded a goal yet this whole tournament, which is pretty good. Um, and then it's going to be played in London at Wembley Stadium. So that's like their national home stadium. Right. So I'm going to go with England to beat Denmark. I'm going with Italy to beat Spain. And then, you know, I'll do my actual prediction next week for the final. But I got an Italy-England final, which should be – fantastic it's going to be in london so the english fans are going to be crazy i don't know if you know people may have saw on on instagram when they scored and when they beat germany because between germany like they've had crazy battles back and forth and usually germany always wins in some sort of dramatic fashion so the fact that they beat germany this time was huge so we'll see how that goes but that's what that's my prediction for the semifinals. Um, last but not least, we have Copa America. It's going on right now as we speak. So the first game, another fantastic game. So that was between Peru and Paraguay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 3-3, went straight into penalty kicks. <laughs> so Peru pulled that one out. Um, Brazil is playing Chile, Chile right now. I'm going to pick Brazil to win that game. Um, Chile is going to be a tough opponent like they always are. They've won two of the last three Copa Americas. Mm. So tough team, but I'm going to go with Brazil. They've looked the sharpest throughout the whole tournament. Um, so I've got Brazil versus Peru. And then tomorrow Uruguay or Uruguay plays Colombia and Argentina plays Ecuador. I'm going to go with Uruguay to win that game against Colombia. I want to go Argentina to beat Ecuador. This one's tough. (laughs) So from there, I have Argentina and Uruguay. So, man, this one's tough because they're very similar. They both have older players, older stars. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go with Messi. I'm going to lean. I'm going to trust that Messi can get it done. Um, I'm kind of going more hard overhead because my my head is telling me Uruguay is going to win the game, but I'm going to go hard and go with Messi because Messi just he's fantastic. <laughs> right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Messi and say he can pull it out against Uruguay. I think you know obviously it's going to be a very close game. It may even go into penalty kicks, but um, so I have a Brazil and Argentina final for the Copa America, which is that would be another. That's another classic South American battle right there. So, and that game would be next Saturday night. So, um, that's my prediction for for the finals for that one. So, you know, next week's episode, I'll pick the two finals. So, that's what I got. got. All right. Uh, Okay. So, when you sent me uh, the reaction from 
the England fans. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> not, listen, I'm telling you, if you all haven't seen it, <laughs> y'all need to see us on Instagram. Coach Nighty sent it to me. We yeah. thought they won the whole thing. Like just the way, just the the energy, the excitement, and you know, as I said, I'm surprised they shut him out. I I was expecting it. Yes. Yeah. You know, I in 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 soccer score, you know, you think of something being it was a two to nothing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I thought Germany at least get one, you know, go out of that. They, well, to be totally honest, I mean, they, they had they had two really good chances. Like, I mean, as, as in the soccer rules, we like to call it sitters almost. Mm -hmm. um, meaning, like, you're sitting in front of the goal, you should just knock it in, but it just, you know, you know, whatever. But they really had, because right before England scored their second goal, um, Muller, who's one of the forwards for Germany, had a, I mean, one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper, like, it's not an easy shot by any means, but still, like, a, per, a, a player of his caliber should score that. And then literally two minutes later, England scores a second goal. And it was just like, oh. <laughs> but you're, if you're a Germany fan, like, you just, it was like, all right, that's it. Like, it's, it's a wrap. <laughs> all the air just went out of the balloon that but um but yeah but to your point and it just and for you know for those who may have seen it or you know if you want to go look it up i mean it, it just kind of brings into context kind of what i was talking about past couple of weeks it's hard to kind of put into context from an american perspective like what these games mean overseas like to their country because like basically on that day like everybody had the day off like they kind of just said like all right we're watching the england game like corporate america hospital like everybody like just shut down it was like all right we're watching the england game because this is that important to them we don't even then, do that. <laughs> no, 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 we don't do that we don't do that because again because you know i think you know obviously like you know the olympics is coming up and you know there's going to be a lot of pride and excitement there but like you know we don't shut down the whole country to watch no. the olympics right so it's just it's hard to really put it into words and then the fact that they were playing germany and then the history of that um, and you know, I can get to that in a different episode, but you know, they've played each other in the Euros, they've played each other in World Cups. They, when England won the World Cup, their only World Cup in 1966, they played Germany in the final, mm. and that's one of the most classic soccer games in world history. Like, it's, it's on anybody's list, it's a top five game of all time. So there's just a lot of history there. And then usually Germany, that's one of the few times England got the upper hand in winning. Mostly all the other games that they played, Germany always ends up winning. So for England, it was like, we finally beat Germany. Even though Germany was struggling this year, but still, like it, it was a big deal for them to beat Germany. So yeah, so it was great to see. So yeah, it was fun. My follow-up question to you is when, especially a lot of us that don't watch soccer as faithfully, mm -hmm. um, to see a team like Chile, like you said, win two out of the last three and be such a contender to where you're you're having them play Brazil and you're kind of like, hey, this could go either way. You know, oh yeah. What has Chile done over the last handful of years that has made them such a contender? contending team so i think what they did um well let me go back i think each country 
has what's you know what they call their their golden generation mm -hmm. um and then chile was fortunate enough to where their all of their best players were playing at the same time and everybody was around the same age at the same time because mm -hmm. a lot of times what ends up happening is and you know we you know it's kind of familiar with you know with american sports as well but um <laughs> And even you'll see it with other countries. Like, for example, I'm kind of going to put it in pieces here, but okay. like the Netherlands this year, they have pretty good players in a lot of positions, but they're missing their, they're missing like that classic Dutch forward that they usually have. It's usually like a guy that's like 6'2, 6'3, lanky, you know, can score with his left foot, his right foot. He's good with his headers. He's athletic. They just didn't have that guy because it, for whatever reason, like it just skipped a generation. That person wasn't born during that time, or maybe that guy's a little older, so he's not as good as what he was, was when he was in his prime. But when he was in his prime, the rest of the team wasn't that good. Mm. It's a combination of all those things. So bringing it back to Chile or Chile, over the past, I would say six to eight years or so, everything just, the stars just kind of aligned for them to have all of their best players were actually playing in their prime at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Cause all of, cause it's not like Brazil. It's not like France. It's not like Germany where you just, everybody, they just pump out stars every single year. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one. And then number two, their manager, they, they picked the right coach for that team. He had a very distinct style that fit with his players. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times you may have, like, for example, I talked about France, right? They have all of these offensive weapons, but you have a defensive-minded coach. Right. You had an offensive-minded coach, I think they would have done a lot better, mm -hmm. right? You would have put your players in better positions to be successful. Because as good as players are on their club teams, if you put them on the national team and you put them in a different position or a position that they're not used to playing with their club team, you're not going to get necessarily the best out of them, even though they're the best player. They may be even the best player on their team. So those are, I would say those are two big things that they've done over the past few years. Now they're all, now they're going to have to kind of replenish that now because that generation is kind of there. Everybody's like in their early you know, 30s right now. Mm -hmm. So this year and then the World Cup next year, that's probably going to be the last run with this particular group. Okay. Um, but that's what I would say that they've done. Um, and it's, it's, it sounds very simplistic, if <laughs> my answer. Yeah, yeah. But when you think about it, it's just for, you know, it, that's just how life works, I guess. Because <laughs> sometimes you just have these players, these once in a generation players, but it's just unfortunate that they were born at the time when they were born. Yes. The rest of the players just weren't as good. It's no, I mean, it's no different than like in high school or anything like that. You know, sometimes you just had like a certain time period where like your high school football team was just ridiculous and just pumping out D1 recruits. And then like five years later, it's like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's just it's just one of those things. Like sometimes it's something in the water, 
like it's just one of those things because like you really that has to be right like all your best players have to be in their prime healthy and just playing well at the same time and that's why the national team competitions are so tough because there's all those different variables going on and like I said before you know when you're preparing for these tournaments you basically just have like a two-week training camp and then that's it and then you just go play Wow. So, yeah, so, I mean, it's a lot that has to come together in a short period of time. So, you know, the more – and that's why I said continuity is key because yeah. not only with your coach but with the players and just understanding your roles. Like, all right, we know where we're going to play, what style we're going to play. I'm confident, like, if I make this run here, this guy's going to be here. I don't even have to look. Those type of things are very, very important. Yeah, I, I thought about it because – what you said reminded me of kind of in a way San Antonio. Yeah, no, that's a good, it's a great example. Yeah. yeah. You got Duncan, Parker, Ginobili. It's like, wow, we got all these guys. Yep. And we were able to, you know, get them. We got them naturally. They're playing at the peaks of their careers. They're consistently relevant. They were able to get Kawhi Leonard to kind of cap off their mm-hmm. kind of dynasty after Ginobili and Parker retired. But then you look at them now, it's like they, they can't stay relevant now, you know, they're, yeah. Yeah. That's, no, that's a great point. Cause it's not even just, they were all great players, but like the personalities were all very similar. Like, yes. and you've mentioned this before, cause they were three, those three guys and even Kawhi early on, mm-hmm. not only were they great players, not only were they guys that were, you know, willing to be coach as they say, or, you know, the guys are that would let pop just kind of like berate them and they're not going to be bothered by it. But they were guys that, like, actually felt comfortable being in San Antonio. Like, they didn't want to be in the big city. It's like, it's just rare that you have all those guys that are, like, there at that time. So that's a perfect example, actually. Yeah. With, with, you know, perfect storm, yeah, the right coach. Yeah, it was just, yeah, the 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 stars aligned, perfect storm, whatever cliche (laughs) statement you want to use. Like, yeah, like that's relatively healthy. The majority of their yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 that's a that's a perfect example that's that's that would explain Chile right there because they they and even they all kind of look the same they're all about like it's crazy they're all like five eight five nine okay not very tall but I'm telling you these are some tough dudes like mm-hmm. like real tough I mean, you know, and even a lot of them had similar backgrounds. Like they came from rough neighborhoods, so they're just tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah, it, it's funny because you know, growing up and, and just being a casual fan, you know, you see, I, I was see for the most part the same rotation of teams, you yeah, know, of countries. You know, so when you when you say, hey, we're talk, let's talk about soccer. And you say Brazil, people are like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Oh yeah, everybody knows Germany, Brazil. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. England, France. Oh yeah, those, those, those. That makes sense. And then you, you see this team for the last couple of years in in Chile. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what happened there? Like, yeah. how, how did they get yep. into this mix? Because they mm-hmm. weren't even relevant when I was there. Like, so how, how did they develop that? Yeah. So that's. I was just curious. That's <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, and it, honestly, even Spain, because Spain has kind of elevated themselves into that, like um perennial powerhouse because they had one of the best runs like in international football ever because they won the euros in 2008 
won the World Cup in 2010 and then won the Euros again in 2012. Nobody's done that. No national team has done that. And they kind of, and they were one of those teams that were known to be like really talented, but when it came to the big tournaments, they would always disappoint. And then they just, you said, you know what? They act, what they actually did was they actually went to Brazil and brought a lot of those coaches to coach oh. youth national teams. That's what they did. They said, you know, enough's enough. <laughs> We're just going to go over here and get the best of the best. But what they did, they, they brought those Brazil coaches, but they still kind of infused their Spanish style to it. So that's what ended up happening with them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. yeah. They did. Yeah. That's what they that's did. Part. They would. They because they would. They were. Oh my goodness. Because I remember in 2002 World Cup and they had like I mean they had some big names too. And during the group phase, because you'll play three games in your group, they would score. It would kill a team like four zero, five zero, six zero, four zero, and then lose in the in around the sixteen. <laughs> Like, literally, that's what would happen to Spain. Like, every year. It would be like, oh, my gosh. But then all of a sudden, they were like, wait. Spain actually made it out of the first round? Mm-hmm. Oh, they made it to the quarterfinal? Oh, they're in the semifinal? Dang, they won the whole thing. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, let's see if they can find one up in the World Cup. And then, boom, they won. They are like, well, they're not going to win the Euros again. Boom, they won it again. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, that just goes to show you how important um, player development is. And it often goes underrated because I think you, you see the talent of the athlete and you say, okay, they should be able to do whatever, wherever, because they're that good. Yep. And it, it, it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. If you got the, you know, it's, you, got, you can have the right player and the wrong manager or coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wrong organization. It's just not going to work. You can have the right organization with the right coach and the wrong player, and you'll get maybe mediocre results out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's frustrating. And then I'll you know I'll go back to France a little bit again because like just to give it context, because essentially like France is essentially like like say like the Kansas City Chiefs. You see their offense, right? Mm-hmm. And the weapons that they have, and the type of offense that they have, right? Mm-hmm. But let's imagine if Andy Reid said, you know what, we're going to run Baltimore's offense. That makes no sense. They don't have the personnel for that. (laughs) No. That's what Didier Deschamps, the French manager, was doing with France. So people are mad at, like, Kylian Mbappe because he he didn't score in the whole tournament. He didn't play as well. But, again, when you're in the wrong system, right? he's not going to be able to flourish like he normally would. Because they're playing this like defensive, conservative, slow, methodical type of play. And it's like, dude, that's not your shake. So, yeah, I don't know, man. It, but I, I told you, I told you that I've been saying this on past two episodes. I was like, I, I, I called it. I called it. You did. You did. I picked them because, again, that's my favorite national team. But, like, I called it because I was like, they're not, they're, no. This isn't, no, no. Because <laughs> you can just, t- and I can just tell just like, just how they were moving. Like as soon as the, as soon as the game started, you know, and they kicked off at the, you know, at the beginning at the center field, 
I there is three runs that were made by certain players, and I was like, they don't, they ain't got it today. <laughs> That's all you needed to see. That's all I needed to see. That's all I needed to see because I can, I can tell by. And again, I mean, most most soccer fans and and guys that have played and all that, like I'm telling you, you can tell what a team is going to do in the first like five, 10 minutes. You can tell how they're going to play. Mm. You, may, you may not necessarily predict the outcome because, you know, things happen. But like, especially with a team like France, I was like, they ain't got it today. Watch. Didn't have it. They I was like, they didn't have it today. Didn't have it. I was like, he's moving too slow. They're, they're, the, the passes are just going sideways. There's no vertical passes. There's no diagonal runs coming. Like no, nothing. So yeah, I was like, whatever, man. Y'all, y'all tripping. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what happens uh, next week as, as we prepare for the final. And yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff, Coach Natty T. Um, we're going to transition it to, to basketball. So as y'all know, the NBA rumor mill is always running. It's a constant machine. So even if you have the slightest type of interaction <laughs> with another player, you know, two superstars on opposing teams, they, they mention something about each other on social media. You, you know, you see them at an event together. Then a narrative is going to be created around that. Now, sometimes it actually does come to fruition. Something does come out of that. You know, but I always think it's funny because you can't do anything anymore. You know, why can't we just be friends on opposing teams hanging out in the offseason? You know, like why we have to be up to something, you know, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it keeps it keeps the machine going. It keeps the media machine going in particular. So so the newest one, one of the newest ones is looking at. Damian Lillard and LeBron James. Uh, and so, of course, Damian Lillard's a part of Space Jam, too. Uh, so that, that was one thing. Uh, but now you see uh, they were seen at a Sparks versus Aces game in L.A. Uh, you know, so they, they attended the game together. You know, you see, a, you know, a little brace. You know, they, they're boys. You know what I'm saying? So you can see, you know, also Dwayne Wade was present there, too. So you're wondering, like, okay, I wonder what, what, that, what that connection is. Lillard is in a very interesting, frustrating situation. Mm -hmm. And he expressed that frustration on social media. Mm -hmm. You really haven't seen Lillard out with Wade and LeBron like that. So all of a sudden you see him up, it raises some eyebrows. What what kind of conversations are going on here? (laughs) So I, you know, one of the things that I kept hearing today in particular was, Oh, you know, you think they're going to trade Anthony Davis for Damian Lillard? Uh, are they going to try to make that? I don't know. I don't think because LeBron is going to be the one orchestrating this, I think he's smart enough to know that that's not going to work. That's not, you know, if, if he's trying to win championships in the last few years of his career, or at least the few, last few years of his contract in L.A., you're not going to be able to get rid of a big, you know, trade a big for a small, you know, guard. That's not going to get you a chip. So, you know, especially with a lot of the bigs in the Western Conference that they're going to have to deal with on a yearly basis. So my perception of this is, is that if there's something going on there, which there might be, I think it's going to be with Anthony Davis, not 
a trade for Anthony Davis. I think LeBron says, hey, we're one big playmaker away from truly being competitive each year. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at what what is something that could legitimately happen? There's a lot of money between these players. Uh, and so a lot, a lot of folks I'm hearing in the media are talking about, you know, is this, you know, FIBA, you know, they, they don't, that's a lot of money. There's just too much money going around. Well, I'm looking at when people really want to win, they'll find a way to make the money work. We've seen it before. We've seen it with, Wade, Bosch, LeBron. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Kevin Love, LeBron, Kyrie. You know, it, we've seen it over and over and over. Tom Brady, you know, he's in the football. Scene. You know, so you'll find a way to make the money work. So people look at Anthony Davis's contract. And they say, man, $190 million. I mean, you can't. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with that? Well, so his contract extension is, is through the 22-23 year here and so I'm thinking of LeBron being a very strategic person if the trigger is not pulled for this year I'm thinking about the following year too Uh, because you look at you know the next contract I mean for LeBron James uh, he you know he's committed so Davis committed through the 24-25 season excuse me and LeBron is the 22-23 season uh, then I look at Damian Lillard's contract. And so he's a, his, he's his a, a five-year, 139 and some change million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. So if you look at his contract numbers, the big year that they would have to worry about would be the 24-25 season because he's due 48 million, which is the highest of the years of the contract. I'm looking at it in terms of I think what's going to happen is Damian Lillard is going to end up signing with a new team. Not this year. I don't think he's going to do it this year, but I think he'll do it the next year. And that he's going to restructure that 24-25 and perhaps the 23-24 and make that work. I think they're all going to do it and make it work so they can accommodate him and not have to give up the farm to do it so that's that's just my my projection could they pull the trigger this year of course you know the, if the, you know if they could get things done expeditiously and do it they'll do it i'm just the variable is actually lillard in this situation because i'm looking at him in terms of would he give billups a year to see what 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 is this going to look like before he decides to move on I'm going to assume, I think he's leaning towards giving him a year. Let's just see what's good. If I don't like what I'm seeing, I'm out. That way he can say, hey, I gave it a shot. It's not working. I'm done. I'm moving on. I need to win a chip. So I don't know. That's my theory today as we stand. That could change as things develop. But Coach Natty T, what are you thinking about uh, Dame time uh, possibly moving on? Well, well, I got. I have to bring our group chat to to to, <laughs> to life here. So, because again, like 
there's, I mean, there's two angles with this whole Dame Lillard thing. I mean, and we've talked about like, you know, as far as org- the sports organizations in general and just kind of, you know, being lazy and just, you know, not necessarily putting the best team or the best foot forward at all times, or at least, you know, in our opinion. Um, in this situation, though, like I said, in, you know, in our group text, I, I do think as much as the Blazers haven't done what they needed to do as far as building a winning team, and, and I think you've even mentioned it, like, you know, you look at their past history, like, they, they've been unlucky. So mm-hmm. part of that is just being unlucky with injuries, and, you know, we understand that. But I do look at the Dame Willard situation, and I, I don't totally, like – I don't want to say not feel bad for him, but I don't think he's totally blameless. And what I mean by that is, and maybe blameless is not the right word because I can't blame him for it. But I think if you're looking at the situation that he's in currently, I mean, he has to kind of like look in the mirror at least a little bit because, you know, when he signed that long-term deal with, with, with the Blazers, um, that's fine. You know, I'm not here to count anybody's money. $139 million or basically just call it $140 million. It's a lot of money, right? I mean, that's, you know, like who's going to turn that down? However, um, you know, we've talked about it on this show, right? Um, you know, there was a company called Blockbuster. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. a company called Barnes and Nobles, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, you know that you know Netflix is here now, Amazon is here now, but really in reality, like Barnes and Noble should have kind of like had the foresight Amazon did because Amazon they were kind of their they were their direct competitor because they used to sell books. Mm-hmm. Blockbuster they used to sell or not sell but rent videos and DVDs and all that, but they didn't have the foresight to see the streaming service. Right, mm-hmm. I mentioned that because with Dame Lillard. I understand he's frustrated, and especially after this, you know, phenomenal postseason that he had, especially in that game five in Denver where he was just Boy. turning water into wine, basically. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, let's let's be honest here. I mean, when you decided to side with the Blazers, part of your decision-making was it being good for your brand. Mm-hmm. Because, you know... I, and I, I remember the, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you remember Coach JB3, I don't know if our listeners remember, but, you know, he had the interview with, with Chris Haynes, you know, he works for Sports Illustrated, and he's a contributor on on FS1 as well sometimes. Right. Um, I remember that interview we had with him, and, you know, and he asked him directly, he's like, you know, you know why'd you resign? Like, why don't you try to, you know, join up with some of these other teams? And he said, you know, well, you know, I just don't want to sacrifice that just to win, you know what I'm saying? I just want to you know, be loyal and do my own thing. That's fine. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But just like Blockbuster, oh no, we good. Like streaming service. Yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fine if you want to be the the individual that's like, oh, you know, I'm staying loyal or I'm gonna be different. You know, I'm anti super team, but. At the end of the season, when you keep losing, it's frustrating and it sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So I just think he probably should have had the foresight of not signing that long-term deal. 
Because now, as I mean, you just said they could make it work with, you know, the salaries and all that. But with you being under contract for that amount of money for that amount of years, it makes it just a little bit more difficult for you to dictate where you want to go. And it's not like he has a no trade clause either Mm -hmm. because he doesn't. So really, I mean, the, the Blazers really hold the cards in trading him so he can say, hey, trade me. And he can even say, hey, trade me to the Lakers or trade me to Miami. They, they don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, you can get lucky like, like Kawhi did because when, when San Antonio traded him to Toronto, I mean, at the time, you know, obviously in hindsight, they ended up winning a championship. But mm-hmm. at the time, I mean, people thought that was kind of like Siberia. And I was like, yeah. like oh you want to get traded off oh, we're just gonna send you to toronto yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying yep. so and, and of course it ended up being a blessing in disguise because it worked out and he was kind of like the the perfect like um hired gun if you will because mm-hmm. <laughs> they already had like a nucleus in place and then you just drop him in there mm-hmm. um so you may get lucky in that sort of situation but in all reality the blazers hold the cards here like they could say no, Dame, we're not trading you. And then he's gonna have to pull a James Harden to try to get out. And I know he doesn't want to do that. I don't. I don't think that's his personality. And, that, and that's not his personality, right? So now you're gonna get in this. I wouldn't be surprised if there's gonna be this like sort of Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers sort of standoff, like because the Blazers, as much as we can blame the Blazers and rightfully so, they can say, Nah, Dame, you ain't going nowhere. You're a loyal dude, right? You ain't gonna try to fight your way out of here. That's not that's not your style, right? They can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can stand there and just be like, and just kind of like, all right, like you know, just testing Dame. Like, all right, what you gonna do? Like, you really gonna go there, Dame? Really? Because mm-hmm. you're not that guy. We don't think you're that guy. So that's just just trying to be honest in my own head. That that's just kind of my first thought about him. This whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as him wanting to leave, I mean, again, that's perfectly fine. I mean, he's frustrated. Um, this may sound crazy. If I was Dave, I actually wouldn't want to go to the Lakers. Because um, <laughs> we brought up the whole, you know, them seeing each other at the Sparks game and all of that. Like, mm-hmm. And this is not a knock on LeBron James. Please don't get me wrong. This is not a knock on LeBron James. But I think part of the thing with LeBron with these situations is it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf a little bit. (laughs) Because with how LeBron moves and the cryptic and the kind of like subliminal stuff that he does, which, listen, I, I don't have a problem with it. Because, you know, that's how most people with power move in this world, right? So he's just kind of like following suit and mm-hmm. he's a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? He's just trying to do his thing. But, you know, when you do those sorts of things, even if it was happened to be a coincidence that Dame was at the L.A. Sparks game and he was there and they just literally just dapped, dapped each other up and said, what's up? Because of how he moves, obviously everybody's going to think like, wait, was are they... Are they going to have dinner after? Are they trying to like work something out? So you can't, so that's that's part of it with the whole LeBron thing. So for me, 
like, if I'm Dame, I don't necessarily want to be a part of that whole narrative with LeBron. Mm. Because fair or unfair to LeBron, he sucks all of the air out of the room. He does. And I feel like if Dame goes there, he's just going to get caught up in that. Because if he, let's say he has a bad game or whatever, because you already know, man, Dame ain't, Dame ain't pulling his weight, bro. That's Braun. Because they already <laughs> do that with AD. You know what I'm saying? They're already doing that with AD. You know sure. what I'm saying? So for me, I would actually prefer to go to say like a Miami. I think that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Bam, if you, but the, their own mini big three. I feel like, I feel like going to the East is actually a better move than staying in the West. That's just me. I mean, to get further, yeah, he he would probably at least be in the a guaranteed semifinals, conference finals position. Because I think he would do some like ridiculous damage out East. I really do. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. I mean, you know, there's there's rumors, you know, swirling around with, you know, him a uh, him and Kyrie straight up, yeah, trade there. I mean, Listen, I would I love mean, that one. Yeah, I mean, I if I was Dame, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Um, even even a Philly, put him and and be together in the East. I would like that too. I would like that as well. So for me, I. You know, if, if I were Dame Willard, I would actually want to, if I am wanting to get out of Portland, I would want to go east. I wouldn't want to stay in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Even I've heard, you know, people have tried to throw out um, him going to the Clippers. I mean, that, that would be nice, but I would want to go east. I would want to completely, like, just start fresh, go east. Because I, I really think he would do some serious damage out east. Oh play. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's that's what I would want to see. Or that's what I would do if I were if I was Dame Lillard. Yeah, I I'm really excited about the possibilities of this. And I you know, I have no problems with if Dame wants to ride it out importantly, you know, that's his yeah. he wants to do that and he he wants to give the the new culture a chance to see what it does you know but I, I just look at it like you know afterwards he's going to be what nine ten years in the nba and tomorrow's never promised and we see we've seen all the injuries that have accumulated this season that you don't want to waste time if you don't have to yeah um yeah yeah so i I'm all for him going to a contender, uh, whatever conference it is, whatever makes sense and whatever is doable. I say go for it. like I love the Brooklyn move. I think that that elevates Brooklyn to an entirely different level because mm-hmm. imagine this, you know, if they had Dame in this postseason, somebody that know is actually going to be there. Yes, going to be, be there. Continue to build chemistry. <laughs> He's not going to be a distraction for the team and he's not injury prone either. You know, so like 99.9% he's going to be there every step of the way. Yep. Especially when it matters most. So I, I, cause if he's there, they make light work of of Milwaukee, you know? So like, I, (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, because, and, and to your point, I mean, I think, <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from Phoenix. I don't, but I guess I am. <laughs> um, you know, because to your point, like, you know, as far as, you know, making the most of, you know, your career and, you know, every, every single year, like, you can't go off the premise that this year is going to happen every year in terms of like the injuries. Cause, cause I mean, as much as I like Phoenix and I hope them and I, you know, rooting for them to, to, to win the chip this year. I mean, you know, Andy, Anthony Davis did get hurt. <laughs> you know, that, that helped, um, you know, the Murray. nuggets with, you know, Jamal, Jamal Murray, like they definitely could have still won that series, but I mean, you know, that, that changes things. I don't think they get swept. Uh-uh. You know? Um, and you know, the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard, like that helped. Mm-hmm. So we can't, and even whoever they face in the finals, whether it's the Atlanta Hawks or whether it's the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, we'll see, you know, if, if Giannis can turn in the, the Wolverine and like heal himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, even if he comes back, it, I mean, with how he plays with that injury, I mean, we'll talk about it a little later. I mean, how effective is he going to be? Mm-hmm. Even though the news was good, but how effective is he going to be? How effective is Trey going to be with a bone bruise on his foot? Yeah. So every year is not going to be like this where you can take advantage. Cause like if say he comes back to Portland next year and you know, obviously not wishing for this to happen, but let's say AD's hurt again and then Kawhi gets hurt again and then, you know, somebody else is hurt, you know, whether it's, you know, Jokic or or even the Suns, right? Because even if they win, you know, God forbid Chris Paul gets hurt or something like that. Like, yeah, and if they're the only team that's healthy, could they make a run? Yeah, but you can't, like, plan off of, like, well, you know, if everybody gets hurt, we'll be good enough to win. Like, that's not... That's not good enough. That's not, That's not good enough. So realistically, to your, you know, to your point, like if he comes back to Portland, like he can give Chauncey Bills a chance to see if he likes him. But he's nine years in now. Like he doesn't really have more years to necessarily like try to see if it'll work, try to see what happens over the next few years. Like I, you know, I saw um, Colin Coward's show today, just a, well, at least a little bit of it. And he was just talking about how, you know, the league now, it's a it's a one-year league now. Just that whole, like, three- to five-year plan thing is almost non-existent now. Like, it's, it's literally, like, a year-to-year league. So do you really want to waste another year in Portland just to see if I like Chauncey Billups? I mean, yeah, you guys are probably going to be right around where you were this year, realistically. Realistically, yeah. And he's not gonna make that big of a difference. He's not gonna make that big of a difference, right? He's not so, making personnel moves around Damian Lillard to strengthen defense. You have the right coaches to do the implement the defensive strategy. Yeah, and you address the health concerns that that you have, especially from your bigs. Again, and and is it possible that they could pull a Toronto Kawhi type move? You know, somebody yeah. disgruntled and it's just like a year rental type thing and then they win the championship. Like, mm-hmm. is that possible? Yeah. Yes. But we don't know. You know, we just don't know that, you know? So for me, I, you know, I would prefer to not be in Portland because I just think we already know how that movie's going to end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I may have a slightly better ending, but is it going to be an ending that we're really satisfied with? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you it, know. 
That's and then, again, like remember, like the Warriors are coming back. Oh yes. You know, I mean, because Clay's coming back. I mean, and you already know they're always in the market. They're always, they're always like a dark horse for a surprise splash in the yeah. offseason. So you know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's not, like I guarantee you, it's not just gonna be Clay coming back from injury. They're gonna pull off something. I mean, they could give Ben Simmons for all we know. Because you know, he, he actually fit in there with them because he doesn't have to worry about scoring at all. Yeah. He yeah. can just run the offense. I saw that trade. I was like, dude, this actually could work. And it's kind of scary. Yes. And because he's such a really good defender, too, that adds to their de- defensive prowess. Like, man, I, that's a perfect scenario situation for him. And not to get too off topic, but I feel like if he ended up going there, I feel like he would actually end up being like an adequate shooter. Because to, to me, the <laughs> fact that. Golden State made JaVale McGee a productive member of society. <laughs> like, that scares me. Like, I can, I'm scared to see what they would do with Ben Simmons. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think Ben Simmons going to, um, to Golden State. And I know that, you know, the Kawhi rumors are out there too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Miami and Dallas are aggressively pursuing him. I, I personally would like to see him with. As a fan, I would like to see him with Dallas because I think him because because Luca, he's going to burn out. We've seen him burn out at such a young age because he has to have the ball in his hands all the time because there's no star to take that responsibility off of his plate. Kawhi could do that if he stays healthy. So man, let me tell you something. Because Colin broke this down on his show, and I was my mind was blown because he brought up a big point. Because he was like, "Well, you know, like Dallas probably be the best fit because you know Kawhi can kind of just hide behind Luca. Not when I mean hide behind, I mean in terms of like the the number one responsibility. He don't have to be like a leader. Yeah, yeah, that's Luca's already in that role. Luca can be the the media person. And another point that he that he brought up that I wasn't thinking about that's great is it's a Cowboys town. Yeah. It's not really a basketball town. Like it's in LA, like you know, with him being on the Clippers, you know, that, that does bring more attention. So he can just kind of just be Kawhi and mm-hmm. Luca can kind of take that superstar mantle, yeah. yet you still have like two pretty good dogs. And even if you want to keep Porzingis, like he can be your number three because I think he'll be a good number three. He just can't right. be your number two. He's not a two, yeah. Yeah. So, whew, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good move if if Dallas can make that work. I, 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 man, that would be awesome for them. I think that that doesn't. Now you know, talking about Portland and the ceiling that's there, does that get Dallas? That gets Dallas out of the first round. With everybody healthy, that definitely breaks that that barrier, that ceiling there. Um, that's still not good enough, I don't think, for them to win a championship. Uh, I think they need to surround them with some more consistent complementary pieces, and they need to get better on defense. As, as a whole, like their team defense is not good. Now, Kawhi certainly helps with that, but everybody's going to have to step up defensively. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It'll be interesting. If that were to happen. If that were to happen. Yeah. yeah. Man, I love it. I love it. Can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I hear 
whether it's an analyst, whether <laughs> it's a, a player, a former player, you know, I'm just, and sometimes you just scratch your head like, like, really? Like, do you hear yourself? Do why? Sometimes I just have to ask myself why. Mm-hmm. And in regards to Scott Pippen, who is clearly tripping, <laughs> clearly. And I'm not going to give, I'm not going to rag on him on everything that he said. I mean, everything that he's, he's trying to say, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw it over to you first. What do you make out of all of Scottie Pippen's comments, whether it was about KD, whether it's about Phil Jackson, whatever the case may be, what do you make out of all of this, man? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, you know, he's, he, he's coming out with a book. So, you know, we know why there's the, um, the, the shock value, or I, I forgot what the cliche term is, but, you know, just to try to get buzz and, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I, that's part of it as well. But I guess to go um, <laughs> to psychoanalyze somebody that I've never met, because <laughs> that's what we like to do, right? That's what, you know, that's what we like to do. Um, and even watching the last, just reminiscing on watching the last dance and, you know, his upbringing and all of that. He's definitely frustrated. I think he feels betrayed by Michael for one, mm-hmm. because in, in sports, um, you know, when you're on a team and, you know, I'm just talking even, you know, once you get to college and, and, and professional and other, whether it's semi-pro or, you know, pro-pro, you know, there, there's certain things that happen, you know, within a locker room or within teammates that just kind of, there's just like that unwritten code. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you've heard this on a lot of the networks where other athletes are talking and I'm like, yeah, it's true. I mean, there's certain things like I'm just taking that to my grave. Like yeah. I'm not saying anything. And, you know, for Michael to put, in his documentary, the whole <laughs> Pippen not wanting to go into the game type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's messed up. It is. But I'm not surprised because if you watch Michael Jordan, if you watched his Hall of Fame speech, that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I do think he felt betrayed by that and angered by that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, I think he's jealous of Michael. I think he gives Michael his props, but I think he feels like he doesn't get the shine that he necessarily deserves for his contributions. Agreed. Um, and I also think he <laughs> he's never really truly addressed Michael about the issues that he's had with maybe with some of the things Michael may have said to him while they were playing obviously with the last dance with how he tried to motivate bully those sorts of things mm-hmm. you know i think he's this is kind of his way of responding to it so when i look at it like that i i think i understand where he's coming from but i mean i hope i never want to sell a book that bad <laughs> 
because some of the things he's saying, it's just like, dude, like, like you're going there. <laughs> that's not what we're doing today. Like, yeah, like that's what we're doing today. today. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's what we're doing today. And then, because even more specifically, like with with Michael, like you know, we've talked about it. Because he's a big, I think he's a big proponent of LeBron James, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But he like even he goes back and forth. Like because at first he says, "Oh yeah, Michael's the greatest of all time." Mm-hmm. Then he said, "LeBron's the best player of all time." But then he flipped it back and said, "Michael was." And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like okay. if you're going to say Michael's the best first. And then as LeBron like keeps adding to his resume, you're like, man, LeBron, man, I don't know. Like he's he's the best now. But all LeBron does has done is add to his resume. So why would you flip back and go back to Michael? Like, are you scared of Michael? Like, that's what that's what goes in my head with Scotty. Mm-hmm. Like, are you that scared of Michael? Because he's really still never really. Mm-mm. addressed him publicly like that like he's yep. he's going after phil he's going after all these other people but not michael and to me that's the source of your anger so mm-hmm. why haven't you addressed him so and and i said this in our group chat as well i was like man maybe this is why michael i i think it confirms why michael had to operate the way he operated because mm-hmm. to me i feel like the way michael looks at looks at it and right or wrong of him to do this, but I, I feel like he looked at it, he's like, look, the fact that you're allowing me to talk to you like this is the reason why I have to talk to you like this. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. Because me, like, I, you know, and I've been around other people like, listen, you ain't gonna say that to just make faith. I don't care how good you are. You may be Michael Jordan. You may be the best basketball player of all time. But y'all just gonna have to find me because we just gonna have to throw down today. Cause you ain't gonna yeah. talk to me like that. Yeah, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like maybe Scotty and some of those other teammates just like really took it to heart. You know what I'm saying? And it's like Michael's like, dude, I just called you and you know what? Like you don't want to smash me in the face right now? Well, no, I don't want to do that. Like, what's wrong with you? That's that's where Michael's coming from, right? Yeah. So I just think. It, it, that's it's all of that kind of mixed in and every time i hear scotty talk <laughs> looking at his um even like the videos that i see i'm looking at him and you can see the wheels turning in his head yeah you can see like there's just a lot of like unresolved issues in there there's a lot of frustration there's just a lot going on in his head yes and Every time I, I I see him say something, that's what I see. So I just kind of take it with a grain of salt. But really, Scotty, like we're gonna go there. So I know that was kind of all over the place, but that's that's just when I think of Scott Pippen as um, KD, like to call him. That's what I think of. I just think there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of unresolved issues. There's just a lot of things going on in that head of his. And every time he talks, he feels like he has to like, well, I gotta, you know, well, I'm Scottie Pippen. People gotta know that I'm so that he's gonna say something crazy, but then he looks even more crazy. Yeah. I 
I'm with you on the unresolved issues, you know, look, taking into account uh, trauma that he experienced as a young, you know, you know young man with his family, mm-hmm. his continued trauma, you know, situation with his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, his wife. His wife. Or ex-wife, I just said. Yes. So when you look at that, I think Pippen has a perhaps he feels he's had a lifetime of two things, underappreciation and abandonment. Mm. So it is hard for him to trust because when he trusts, the people he trusts just keep letting him down, it seems like, or not operating with him the way that he prefers to. To be, you know, don't fully like have his back as he yeah. like them too. Exactly, exactly. Like you know, I thought we were a little bit closer than that, so I'm getting I'm getting a little funny vibe from you. Okay, I don't want to. And okay, he's also not a person that likes direct conflict. Nope. So. It is also evident by the way he treated the Bulls organization, mm-hmm. right? So it's, you know, instead of just saying, hey, yo, this is what I heard about y'all, what y'all gonna do to me, I'm not having it, or we gonna fix this and we gonna get this done ASAP, right? So I could be on the floor with the rest of the guys. But what he did was he was like, all right, listen, I'm gonna have y'all, y'all figure this stuff out when y'all ready to come back to me, you know. We just gonna see how they do without me. So I'm gonna just go, I'm just gonna sit here and chill. And I'm gonna have surgery, right? Conveniently. Yeah. Right? That's passive aggressive behavior. That's mm-hmm. not directly addressing conflict. So when you have a lifetime of all these things adding up, and you haven't quite come to terms of how to articulate this to yourself it's almost impossible to be able to articulate it to another human being so what we're seeing Scottie Pippen doing and a lot of these interviews on social media he's freestyling feelings and you can't afford to freestyle feelings if you're if you're a rap artist and you're you're trying to perform in front of a crowd and you haven't finished writing your lyrics and you're kind of depending on, oh, okay, I'll just make something up and, and talk. Like, most people aren't built for that. Now you have your, your few that they could just reel off the top of the head. They're just very talented with that, but that's not everybody. You put some of the top selling rap artists, you ask them to freestyle, they're not going to be able to do it. You ask them to go perform without, without lyrics or a script and have to come up with stuff, they're not going to be able to do it. So what we're seeing there is, and, and it was nothing. The one I said, the big point, the big part is when he was talking to Dan Patrick and Patrick said, so by saying a racial move, you're calling Phil a racist. Yeah. And Pippen responds by saying, I, I don't got a problem with that. <laughs> he just fell, fell for it right there. Yes. Uh. Like literally, Dan Patrick trying to say, okay, well, you threw out this word, so you're giving me something to work with. It would be irresponsible for me not to try to pin you down on an answer now that you've thrown, that you've given me this to work with. Yeah. So he's freestyling fence because if he knew better, he wouldn't use the use in the first place, knowing that the media was going to take, take it on. Or he would have said, 
No, actually what I meant by racial is there's a difference between racial and racist. There are a lot of things that are racial that doesn't necessarily mean that they're negative or racially motivated, which means they're not exactly aimed to harm people or out of a systemic disadvantage for one uh, for one group of people. Mm -hmm. Right. He could have said any of those things. And. What I didn't get about his response is that if you really do feel that way about Phil Jackson, you used a really bad example to do it. Like it doesn't, it, it doesn't make you look good as genuine as you think that claim may have been in your heart to use an example that doesn't really fit. The puzzle piece doesn't fit. And like, you weren't playing well. The shot too. So it's like, yes, <laughs> like, you weren't playing well. Yeah. <laughs> And Ku Coach took the last shot and made it. Okay, so what are we really talking about here? Do you you really felt slighted by that one incident? And that's what you're not going to bring up the posse comment when Phil Jackson was talking about LeBron and his posse. You're not going to bring up the stuff that he wrote, you know, possibly about Kobe, you know, about Kobe Bryant in the book. Uh, when you're talking about when he commented on the NBA dress code and he called it like thuggery and stuff like that, gangster thuggery, those things have some racist embedding, you know, spirit within them. You could have used any of them and we would have stepped back and be like, okay, all right. Okay, we can see that because that fits the puzzle. Your personal situation between you and Cool Coach and everything and Phil Jackson, that doesn't fit, bro. Your freestyling feelings. You got to bring something that is creates a consistency within what you're saying, or else people aren't going to take you seriously. Yeah. That's what worries me about Scottie Pippen is that he, to what you said, is very inconsistent. Oh, Jordan this, LeBron this, Jordan that. Oh, LeBron that. Yep, that back forth. Back forth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't want Isaiah on the dream team either. Hey. Yeah. Nobody, nobody talk. No, yeah, no, that's not your line. I read the script. That's not your line. No, no. So th- that's that's the kind of thing. Is I don't think Jordan was necessarily wrong in what he said, but I don't. If that was my boy, I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say. It. But it was evident you did. You didn't think about the team when you decided to sit out and put the weight on Jordan and Rodman and the rest of the folks to carry that. You didn't communicate with them beforehand to let them know what you were doing either. So they can be like, okay, or, hey, I'm a little concerned about this. Can we try this a different way? Like you went in and you did it the passive aggressive way. Yeah, that's well said, yeah. I mean, even Robert Ori came as to, to Phil Jackson's defense. And he said, hey, I had to check Phil a couple of times because uh, Robert Ori has the Big Shot Bob uh, podcast. Yep. yep. And so he said, you know, there was a couple of times where Phil did have to be checked. I wouldn't call him a racist, but some of the things were can be racially insensitive. And he used an example of when they were in a huddle and um, he, said, he said something like, um, you need to know the sign of your master's voice. 
And Robert Ori looked at him and was like, whoa, 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 we don't do that. I'm from the South, like we don't use that. Now he called himself the Zen master and that was his thing. And so that's probably the context, which, but if you're a white coach with a predominantly black team, you have to have the cultural intelligence that says, you know what, that's not the right term for me to use here because yeah. that could be taken out of the way. So there, there's, there's some question marks besides Phil Jackson's mentality, cultural awareness, perhaps. You have plenty to work with. Mm -hmm. Don't bring up a personal incident that you're sour about that has nothing to do <laughs> with racism. Yeah, like out of all the examples you can give, you gonna take that one? Scotty, I gave you four of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I don't know, Scotty. Oh, Scott, I'm, I'm calling him Scott. That KD, that was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Scott Pippen. Yeah. Yeah, I, and that one I think was truly, I think that one was truly about selling because he knew KD would say something back to him because KD always says yeah. something back. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, it just, <laughs> it just didn't really make, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but he's coming at KD like he hasn't won two championships before. Yeah. I, I get it. It was with Golden State and, you know, I understand that, but. I mean, you acting like he's never won before. Yeah. <laughs> so, he was Finals MVP of those. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. That that's a that was a book selling moment. Yeah. Um, not for sure. I mean, you you pretty you you said everything, man. Like, yeah, he's he's a complicated. I mean, I feel I I feel bad for him sometimes because again, like I I feel like he just he just feels like that always like the odd man out essentially mm -hmm. and i think the other thing that's interesting about it though real quick is i mean i always thought well not to say that they were close but i always thought they were at least somewhat close like michael and scotty yeah. apparently they're not <laughs> that's what this whole thing is kind of revealed to me too like apparently they're not or maybe Scotty thought they were closer, but like Michael was like, "Yeah, Scotty's cool, but I don't really mess with Scotty like that." Right. <laughs> so right. that that was that's that's interesting to me as well. Because every time, because even after the last dance, because there was there was the the video, or no, it wasn't video, but I forgot where they were. But you know, Scotty showed up at you know one of the games. You know, he, you know, in, in the box office, and because Mike was looking down, and he comes in and taps him on the shoulder, and they, you know, they get a big hug, and and that was after the last dance. Yes. So, it, that's that's where it's like it's there's like the mixed messages for me because it's just like like you said, like, you know, like, I, you know, have you really addressed Michael about this? Or because every time I see y'all, y'all like embrace like yeah. long time friends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and, I'm, and and again, like, you know, I'm not encouraging people to like not speak to each other, but it's just based on your action, what you're saying and the actual actions when I when you actually see him with Michael, mm. it's two completely different things. That's where I get confused mm. when he usually comes out with these like random statements. Yeah. It's just like I, I get really confused by it. Cause again, like every time I've seen you with Michael or we've seen you with Michael, like y'all always like seem cool. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's complicated, man. That I guess that's all we can really say. I mean, people are complicated, 
yes. we're all complicated. We are, we're complicated human beings. So I, I guess we just have to chalk it up to that and leave it at that, I guess. I just hope that whatever is going on between the two of them, that they sit down, they too old for all this. Both of them are too old to be having animosity without being able to productively address it. And whatever comes out of that comes out of that. But, you know, I hope that they have at least talked and been like, okay, my bad. Or like, okay, I see what, what you were trying to say or something like that, because they were absolutely amazing together. And I yeah. don't want them to lose sight of that off of a documentary and perhaps some unresolved issues of the way he decided to push the team and, you know, his leadership style. Yeah. Um, the credit he received for, you know, my mom always loved Scott, you know, she always loved Scott, Scottie Pippen. And every time the Bulls would win, she was like, Pippen's my favorite player because I don't think he gets enough credit. And I was like, I agree with you. I don't think he does. I mean, to a certain extent, like, because I put it like this. If you say, who are the best small forwards of all time? No one puts Scottie Pippen at number one. No, not number one. Or three. No. Because now we're just like, so because it's what Larry Bird would be 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 there, right? Small forward, I believe. Yeah, probably, I mean, to me, it's LeBron James is number one. And then LeBron, yeah. So I'm just trying to think of five of, of five. Yeah, like LeBron, Larry. Um, trying to think. I mean, I I mean, I mean, I would have Scotty maybe in the top five. I would say top three. Yeah. Maybe I mean maybe in that three. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody though. Small forward. No, I mean, I would say LeBron. Yeah, LeBron, Larry, Larry, and Scotty. We might have to do our top five. Maybe like a George Gervin, or I don't know if he's more of like a shooting guard, or um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's a it's an interesting thought. Yeah, he does have six rings, so he does, he does. So, you know, I think for Pippen's sake, I'd love to see him just – he need to get the help that he needs uh, because he's going through a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And right now, the way that he is utilizing his pain is not productive. So it makes him look <laughs> good. Book. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it makes him look very petty. It makes him look very sour. And he has to be able to recognize that. Um, he doesn't have the the privilege necessarily because he was so good and he's attached to Michael Jordan to just say stuff like Kwame Brown says stuff. Yeah. Right? He doesn't have the privilege to be able to just spitball what he feels out there because, interesting enough, when Kwame does it, he never lived up to expectations in the NBA. No. Um, and there's some Jordan overlap, but just a little bit. Um, but when people are, you know, when he says something, usually people are like, oh, hey, he, he's got a point. Dad. He's, you know, he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. Mm-hmm. As vulgar and expressive as he may be, people tend to align more with Kwame Brown. When Scottie Pippen does it, it's sour, it's bitter. It's unresolved issues. You just sound crazy. Yeah, right. 
So I think you have to, when we talked about Giannis being able to know who he is on the basketball court, I think Pippen needs to recognize who he is. And the most secure people in life are people that are like, well, I don't care what you say. You don't have these six rings on your fingers like I do. You don't have these all-star appearances like I do. You're not a top 50 greatest player like I am. So what are y'all really talking about here? So he sounds insecure in his responses. And that's what people feed off of is insecurity. That's what bullies feed off of is insecurity. Mm-hmm. You too old to be to be putting your insecurity out there. You got to deal with that. You got to find the help you need to deal with that. Talk to whoever you need to talk to to get that together. That's my message, man. Yeah. Like I said, man, I just hope I never need to sell a book for that about reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if I ever get to that point, Coach Nancy, just 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 call me and let me know. Just tell me to stop. <laughs> tell, me, tell me to go home, go to bed, and get some sleep. Like whatever it is, man. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Stay off social media. Okay. Um Eastern Conference Finals analysis is next for us. So there's man. not really much analysis to go around. There's it's not like- really much. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know. Like I said, but but the most confusing layered playoffs that I can remember watching. Uh, but with Trey Young's injury and Giannis's injury, I, I, I know you'll get into this with Giannis's injury, um, having a teammate that had a similar experience. But mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if Giannis is going to be able to come back for the rest of the series. And like you said, I don't know how effective he's going to be. He, um, because he doesn't have a very high skill level Mm -hmm. he depends on his athleticism more so injuries affect those type of players more so than they do players that are like hey I can okay maybe I can't get to the basket like I do but I got this 15 footer 18 footer this three-pointer so I don't have to use my legs as much I don't have to explode off of that to get my shot off Uh, I don't think Giannis does not have that luxury right now with his current skill set which is going to render him pretty ineffective, I feel. Uh, If Trey Young can come back, I at least give the Hawks another win. I think they'll win the one. If he can play in Atlanta, I think they'll win the one in Atlanta. Um, Nice to see Cam Reddish back and contributing Mm -hmm. to the team. He seems to be having fun out there. Uh, But ultimately, I think the Bucs are going to win because I I think they they have the more experienced team uh, because you could say they have new pieces, but their new pieces are veterans. PJ Tucker has been here before. You know, Drew Holiday's been to the playoffs before. You know, we're talking about a very young team on Atlanta side that I think has a very bright future. But those are the things that matter the most when some of the dominoes fall and you're trying to prevent, keep them from all falling down. Mm-hmm. It, it, it helps to have a, a some experience and strategy going into that. And I think that favors the Bucs. Um, even though Budenholzer's coaching can sometimes be meh, I, I think it's good enough to get them past a very young team who is figuring out on the go, you know, on figuring out on the job. So I, I have the Bucs uh, in, in seven. 
um, playing the Suns in the finals. What about you? Yeah, I mean, initially I thought um, I was leaning the Hawks um, because my and I think I said this as well before in our in our text. I, I thought uh, their best chance of winning was winning Game Five mm-hmm. and winning Game Six. I I just I don't see them beating them in a Game Seven unless Trey's there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they'll win. Was it Saturday? So tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Um, because that game five, I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, but you can just tell they weren't, they just, it was like, just get us back to Atlanta. Cause it, the whole energy was different. Like they just didn't come out. Like it, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, they're not winning this game. Um, man, it's tough. Cause I think, cause it, I don't know if Trey's going to play tomorrow, but e- even without Trey, I still think they can win game six. Um, and then that game seven is just really going to depend for me. It really depends on if Trey plays or not. Because if Trey plays, I think they could win game seven, yes. Because you know, I'll get to the Giannis thing, and and then, like you said, I you know, I had a teammate, I had a, had a college teammate who had a very, very similar injury, actually, the same leg. Um, you know, he was going up for a header, and you know, leg got kind of tangled up, and then you know, the knee hyperextended the opposite way. And, you know, thankfully, just like Giannis, you know, they did the MRI, there was no structural damage or anything like that, but he was out for three weeks. And I mean, like out for three weeks and, and of course it was soccer. So, you know, obviously you guys can <laughs> disregard me on that, but, um, you know, he, soccer is a game where you have to move around, like you're twisting, you're turning similar to basketball you may not be doing as much jumping but it's very similar and the thing is like he like that first week he really couldn't didn't really do too much and then he got to a point like midway like week and a half where you know he was able to actually run but it was just like straight like he couldn't really go side to side it was just straight you know, build himself up, build himself up, build himself up. So just off, you know, that experience with my teammate. And again, I just, I'm not a doctor. I just, you know, most athletes will tell you, you know, when you're living in the training room and you, you're talking to the trainers, you're talking to the team drafters, anytime an injury happens, you know, they're always talking to the rest of the team about, you know, prevention and rehab and how do you do this and what do you eat and, just the biomechanics of your actual body. So just having familiarity with that and, you know, was there with him in the training room every day, just, you know, myself getting treatment, he's right next to me getting treatment and, you know, like, all right, what are you guys doing now? All those little things. Um, again, like, unless I, I said this already, unless if, if Giannis is Wolverine in disguise, <laughs> he can like heal himself. I just don't see him coming back really the rest of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, and I don't think the Bucks training staff, I mean, I understand it's the finals. I understand the the stakes that are you know the, the high stakes that are going right now, but with how Giannis plays, to your point, he doesn't, it's not like even like a KD where 
he just has such a high skill set. He can like kind of work his way around it. Like Giannis is athleticism. And for them to win, like he has to play how he normally plays. And that's being athletic, being dominant around the basket. And that's, you know, jumping, mm-hmm. doing his Euro step and doing his little go-go gadget arms that he does. <laughs> you know, it's all of that. And I just don't see him being, even if he does miraculously tough it out and tries to come out and play, I don't, I don't see him being that effective at all. Mm-hmm. So. And, and this is coming mm. off of a very embarrassing performance before he got hurt. Yeah. Like, cause and, and that's, and so that's, kind of leads me to my second half of this, like, because the problem is if he comes back and he starts playing, I mean, he's probably going to start reverting back to doing what you're just alluding to, like shooting these ridiculous three-point shots, mm-hmm. more of a perimeter-type game that he doesn't have, you know, because I, I just don't – I just really don't see him being effective at all, even if he does come back, so – but minus that, if let's just say they're both out, Giannis and Trayer's out, at this point in time, I agree with you. I think the Bucks should win probably in seven. They have the veterans. Yeah. And the thing is, they really probably should win game six. But the problem is, I, you don't know what Milwaukee you're going to get. You don't. Because Brooke Lopez, I'm like, where did you go? Game five? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, like I understand Giannis is there, so spacing and all that. I mean, I get that, but dude, like you dominated. You are eight feet tall. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> but I guarantee you tomorrow night they're gonna be just jacking up threes. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Yes. Because they don't really have an answer for you because you're so small. So like when you when y'all shooting threes, like it it bails them out. It does. It keeps them in the game. And then all they have to do is hit a couple of threes and then they get momentum going and then the crowd's going. Like, all you got to do is just dominate the inside. Just pummel them inside. And they, they're not – they're going to bow out. Well, I can't say they're going to bow out. They're still going to play. But in terms of, like, their momentum and how they're going to play, like, it's just – and it's exhausting, too, because, like, especially playing down low, like, I don't, I don't know. I just – I don't know what – Milwaukee team you're gonna get so I'll, I'll say Bucks and seven as well, but I mean as it stands now you know no Giannis no Trey right Trey plays if if Trey is somehow able to play game six or seven then I'm I'm going with Atlanta in that game yeah whichever game that is because I look at it your role players typically play play exponentially better at at home, at home. yep so yeah so I'm like all right, I give them the Atlanta game. But they're going to need Trey for a, for a game seven. Yeah, like if he if he comes back Trey game game seven, then yeah, I'm going to Atlanta. But I, you know, bone bruises, man, those, those things are very painful. I don't I don't know, and especially on your foot. Yeesh. And I mean, I think essentially Giannis essentially probably has a bone bruise on his knee as well. Like that's painful, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I think it's more likely Trey probably could come back just because it happened earlier. Right. So he's had more, you know, an extra day and a half for, you know, um, treatment and all those sorts of things. But uh, I don't know. I just don't see it. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I wish both of them were playing at full strength. Uh, you see what happens, but mm-hmm. um, even though I'm picking Milwaukee, Atlanta, you got nothing to be ashamed about. Y'all, no, I mean, no. Y'all, man, came out and hooped this postseason and put Atlanta basketball back on the map that we haven't seen it in quite some time. I mean, you could talk about the the Joe Johnson, Al Horford, Atlanta Hawks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Days, um, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, Dennis Schroeder. You know, so, but this, this was a great playoff run by a very young team um, with a really good he- head coach. Mm-hmm that has a, has a great future. And I think if they can continue to develop their talent and grab some veterans in the off season to help complement that young talent for moments like this, where they need some on the court leadership, some strategy, you know, just some accountability, a little bit on the more on the court. Cause you could tell, you know, like you said, they didn't have that energy at all in the last game. And I'm like, well, where was the, the energy that y'all brought without Trey, while Giannis was playing. Yeah. Like they were swarming Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee could barely get anything off. They were getting frustrated. Let me say, I, I kid you not, I called Coach Natty T. In game <laughs> four. I have never, ever seen a star player be so mentally affected by a crowd, by, by a crowd before. And insecure with his own playing. You know, we talked about Scottie Pippen being insecure and stuff like that. Well, Giannis is very because when a, you go to the free throw line and the crowd is counting you down, mm. and you airball two out of the three mm. free throws, mm, 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 and three out of and three airballs because you airball he airballed the three pointer. Yeah, like which I don't know why he's shooting that. Yeah, so to that 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 means that those those kind of moments is like when things get tight you get tight and as a star you can't afford to be tight along with the moment you got to be the one that breaks the tension for your team when things get tight uh and so if they can't depend on you whether i don't you know people talk about oh he's not a closer i don't care about the closer aspect really he did that in the first half Right, you can't do that in the first half to set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah. Right? Because the team looked lethargic. Yeah. While he was in there and continued to look like that after, you know, he got injured. So, uh I have never seen that from a star athlete before, quite mm-hmm. to that degree, where it's just a total loss of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um but looking at that coach Natty T, you know, so if you had the Bucks winning in 7, as things stand now. Yep. They're going to be playing the Phoenix Suns. Let's just say that's the matchup. Who you got winning? Yeah, I got – I mean, <laughs> I've already said I'm rooting for the Suns. Uh, but because of Giannis's injury, I have the Suns. Um, originally, I had – you know, once it was the Bucks, Hawks, and Suns, Clippers, I had – the Bucks winning the whole thing, mm-hmm. but with Giannis's injury, that changes things for me, um, especially against the Suns because um, you know it's going to go seven. So the finals is going to start next week. Was that next week Wednesday or Tuesday, mm-hmm. or is it 
One of those days. One of those days, yeah. Um, and then games one, game one's going to be in Phoenix. So I, hmm. I'm trying to figure out a big game. So I'm going to say Suns in six. Mm-hmm. Because I just – I'll give Milwaukee maybe two, two games at home. Um, but I, I just think – with Giannis compromise, and again, I I don't think he's actually going to play. But let's just say by miracle he actually musters something up and gets out there. I, again, I just don't think he's going to be very effective at all um, with his style of play. I mm-hmm. mean, um, that's just and that's going to affect the Bucks. Um, they'll give a valid effort, but I, I just Chris Paul between Chris Paul. Devin Booker, um, DeAndre Aiden, I mean Cameron Payne. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll I think they'll get the job done because you know with Monty Williams and just with Chris Paul's overall, you know, leadership style in terms of like turning the heat on you know, the rest of the the the, the team and really like honing in and be like, look, we got to get this done. And, not to say that they'll play well, because to be totally honest, against the Clippers, if Paul George hits four three throws, like the Clippers probably win that series four to one. Mm. That's what's crazy about it. It's crazy, yeah. Game two and game five. Mm-hmm. Like if he hits the free throws, like both of those games are over. Mm-hmm. Um. So I. You know they they had some 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 bad games there, but I, I do think I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. Even though you know this is Devin Booker's and DeAndre Ayton's first time in the playoffs, I don't think the moment's going to be too big for them. Um, I think they're going to be very excited, obviously, but I think they're going to be able to get the job done because of Chris Paul. So yeah, I got Suns in six. If it's if somehow the Hawks win. I got Suns at five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But again, for me, the, the big difference is Giannis. I just I just don't see him being healthy enough to really be effective to at be all. Effective. Even if he tries, yeah. Even if he tries. And, and I think he will because I think that's just his personality and he's going to want to play in the finals because he's been trying to get to the finals yeah. his, whole, you know, his whole career. So yeah. I'm pretty sure he's going to – I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, tries to pull a Willis Reed and – you know, just wraps the knee up and then just tries to just give it everything he possibly can. But mm-hmm. I just don't think that's – I don't think he's going to be effective at all. There's just no way. Yeah. I got a gentleman sweep with the Bucks. I got Suns and five. You got Suns and five. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of this is not a good matchup for Milwaukee. Even it's though not. they're uh, – you know, I – I'm, we talk about Bunos there not being the greatest coach and stuff like that. He does a pretty good job, like, defensively, like, to be able to come up with, you know, sometimes they just have some player development issues, in my opinion. But um, is Drew Holiday going to play better than Reggie Jackson did? No. Not consistently. No. I Yeah. Is – Chris Middleton going to play any better than Paul George did? Not consistently. Not consistently. So I'm thinking about all those things. If you were able to weather that storm, 
and find a way to win. I don't see the games being close enough for those four free throws or five free throws that would have mat- that mattered in the Clipper series. I don't see that being that close in this series because, and also if Giannis does play, let's just say he's moderately effective. The Suns are equipped to throw bodies at him. They have a lot of tall, long, young bodies to frustrate him. Uh, And that's with Giannis at 100%, let alone maybe a 75% Giannis. uh, To be able, you know, I mean, when you could throw a Torrey Craig at him, you know, you're not depending on Torrey Craig to get you many points. Anything he gives you is a bonus, right? So it's like, hey, I'm gonna throw a body there. You got Crowder, throw a body there. Bridges, I'm gonna throw a body there. Um, you know, you have a big man in Aiton that's, you know, it's going to challenge that. I don't see, I see him giving, I mean, Aiton's going to give Brooke Lopez a very hard time there. So when you think about who are the role players that kind of step up and shine, I don't see Brooke Lopez having much of a chance because if, I think if they were smart, they would put Aiton, you know, in situations to be aggressive to get Lopez in foul trouble. Um, yeah, and, and just kind of render him ineffective. And it's like, okay, well, we don't have to worry about the big anymore. Anybody else? Who else want to try something? You know, like, you know, that that's kind of how I would play it if I were them. But, yeah, I mean, when you have a floor general like Chris Paul, who is, if moments do get tight, he's going to be the calming force of that team. Who's doing that for Milwaukee? It's not your best player, that's for sure. It's – your coach doesn't seem to have that voice, that that type of influence on the team either. So I, I say Suns in five um, if they play Milwaukee. I actually say Suns in four if they play Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta's going to be able to keep up. Um, I think they're going to be outplayed all the way through. <laughs> and it's, that, it's not a shot at Atlanta. It's just saying, hey, y'all, y'all just building this, right? Mm-hmm. y'all got a ways to go to be truly competitive i see it more of you know when I mean, you're an upstart i mean really the Suns are upstart in a way too but you got chris paul yeah they have <laughs> a better impression right so i have crowder i have chris paul yeah i have you know some voices there that can say okay now we're good or look we need to do this who's going to be that person for atlanta they can't solely depend on McMillan to be that voice. They need someone on the floor that's going to do that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the guy that's gone the furthest out of their roster is Clint Capella, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, because he's at least been in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, like Lou Will's been to – he's at least been in the second round, I think, at least. Yes, yes. That's about clip. it. Yeah, so – Or even with Philly, too. With Philly, yes. I forgot yeah. him and Iggy. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I say a sweep if it's the Hawks, five is, if it's the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right. I mean, it's just, you know, I guess we'll talk about it, you know, because everybody's talking about the injuries and is that on the season, condensed season. And overall, it, it's just very disappointing. It really is. It's a letdown. It just is. It is a letdown. As a fan, it's a, as a, it's a, as a fan, it's, it's a letdown. I mean, you know, and uh, you can argue that it, you know, we not surprised by it in a way because, you know, Kawhi's had his issues. 
Mm-hmm. Embiid has had his issues. AD. AD KP. has his issues. Kyrie. Kyrie has his issues. Harden. Well, actually, Harden's the one surprising one because, well, we'll 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 get into this after the season's over because, like I said, I I got to address the Nets because again, I mean. You know the hamstring that, that's partially the whole Houston thing. I think had an impact. That's you don't show up at training camp. Yeah, yeah, that 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 had an impact. That had an impact. So because normally he's durable, it's just yes. he just runs out of gas because he dribbling the air out of the ball and it's tiring. Yes. <laughs> so that one was probably the one surprising absence, even though he came back. You know those last two games, but. Um, Everybody yeah. else, it was contact. It was you landed wrong, you landed on somebody, or you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just important because even you know, as much as I give Giannis a hard time, I mean, what you know, you saw that you was just like, oh. <laughs> it's like, man, it's like the, the injury guys is just like, nah, dude, y'all, y'all ain't gonna enjoy this basketball. Season. Yeah, I'm taking everybody out. I'm taking everybody out. I don't care. Yeah. I don't think, you know, one of our listeners uh, DM'd us and was like, y'all, are, y'all should talk about, like, is there asterisks on this season or on the bubble season? I I tend to lean, lean more toward, no, it's, on, it's there's no asterisks, it's just context. So if you're looking at, if you're comparing perhaps greatness or greatest teams, then yeah, you need to take into account what the other team look like. But when you're talking about for just that season and you're saying, hey, this team be everyone who was put in front of them because every team that has won anything has benefited from injuries. Mm-hmm. Magic Johnson didn't play in the finals. Detroit wins the finals, mm-hmm. right? Isaiah gets hurt one year in the finals. What was the year before that? LA was the you know so like it's just it just just like that, um, you know. Golden State beats Cleveland without yeah the first one. Kyrie, you know the first Toronto like, Toronto capitalized. So are we going to put an asterisk on all of these seasons? You could literally go through every year and benchmark a point with or at least one of their opponents was miss a significant piece. Mm-hmm. That maybe if that piece was playing, it could have changed things for the playoff swing. So, yeah, I'm not gonna put asterisks. Yeah, I mean, real, real quick. Uh, um, I don't think there is. However, in the world we live in, unfortunately, perception is reality, mm-hmm. and you know enough people think that already. So the the unofficial perception is that there is an asterisk, especially last year and even with this year. Because whoever, I think if, well, obviously we think the Suns are going to win, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they're perceived because I've already said on this show, I'm like, well, you know, I wasn't there, so that, that helps and. If you go down, that helps. But because they are somewhat of an upstart with Chris Paul, maybe that benefits them because they're so young and it was their first playoff go around. Yeah. 
Um, so maybe like that balances it out and it says, well, you know, hey, they won. You know, they were young and they still got it done, you know, and, and they won they won the chip. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting just to see what the perception is and what kind of the chatter is if the Suns can 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 finish the job because you know I think there's multiple factors going on there. But me personally, no, I mean, you know, even last year, I don't put especially you know, with the COVID year last year, I mean, everybody were, was under the same rules. So I can't necessarily give an asterisk to it, but it is interesting because looking at AD's history, like, because everybody thinks it benefit, the, the layoff benefited LeBron more. I'm like, I actually think it benefited AD more. Yep. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because who's to say, like, and not necessarily in the playoffs, because I think this is the first time that in the playoffs he's actually gotten hurt. Right. He, that, you know, he's made playoffs, what was that, like two or three times when he was in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He never missed a playoff game, which is good. But if they had finished the season out, like, I, I hate to say it, but it probably was likely he would have got hurt. Yeah. Probably, because the season ended, what was that? March because it was what like the third week of March when the whole world shut down. Yeah, and picked up was it July? Yeah, so you know March, April, May. I mean, it's if you're a betting man, you probably would have won some money on AD getting hurt. Yeah, towards the end of the season. So does that change the who wins? So I mean, you know, that's that's an interesting conversation to have, but. But again, I mean, I think everybody was under the same rules, so I don't put an asterisk by it. But yeah, perception is reality, man. And, and if enough people think that, then you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be there. So um, you know, again, my personal answer, no, but my overall answer, probably yeah. And Unfortunately, everyone has been struck by the injury, but yeah. at some point. Because to, to be fair to the Suns, Chris Paul. No, I mean, because Chris Paul was out. Yeah. And the Clippers could have taken advantage of that. But yeah. They didn't. They didn't. That's and exactly. That's a great point, too. Because, again, that's for me, that's why it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they can pull it out, how they're perceived as a champion. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if they win. Um, because there's there's a lot because you like you said like you said they were hit by it even Cam even Cameron Payne rolled his ankle and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying so, about in the Lakers series too yeah like, when he first hurt the, hurt the shoulder so like yeah 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 so um you know hey man listen I I think it's just one of those things it's part of professional sports unfortunately yeah. some years just suck and other years don't yeah. Because the narrative was going into this, like to the to the conference finals, is like, man, the Bucks have been the one team that hasn't really gotten hit with the injury bug, and then that's boom. why I picked them. But then, then Giannis was like, oh my gosh. So everyone's had to survive something. So for that, I don't give an asterisk because everyone's had to survive something. No, Maybe for two games, three games, or a whole series, yeah. I had to survive something. So. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just kind of like the the survival, this the team with the best survival techniques at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it for us. Appreciate y'all stepping into the coach's box. 
Um, really love this episode. We're going to keep keep the great content coming and y'all keep the great suggestions coming. So we, you know, we can um, see if your topic can make it on, you know, make it on the podcast. So you can, you know, hit us up on, on IG at Cbox Podcast. Uh, you know, we always love to hear from our listeners and uh, we want to talk about the things that you all find important as well. So if there's something that you would like to see us go over, you know, talk about, more more than welcome to do so. Uh, and I can't wait for the NFL stuff to pick up because we got a lot to talk about. There. Oh, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. So, yeah. Well, that's it for us. Y'all have a great weekend. You know, stay blessed. Stay safe. Talk to y'all next week. Peace.